Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders talking UNC football recruiting. Guys, we are recording on Wednesday afternoon. It is bright and sunny. We got some Carolina blue skies. Gentlemen, I hope that you both are enjoying the nice weather. Don, start with you, man. How are things going? Uh, things are wonderful. It's, it is nice out and sunny, but it is still cold. How's everything going in Buck's world? Couldn't be better now that I'm talking to my best bud, Don Callahan, and my <laughs> second best bud, John Siegley. I'm, I'm good to roll. I'm going to tell Tommy that I'm number two now. I mean, no one's ever going to catch Don. So if you can get that coveted number two spot, I put you high up on the IC pecking order. Yeah, everybody's playing for number two as long as Don's in the game. (laughs) It's the truth. But hey, when you're the best in the biz, you get the preferential treatment. That's why we've got Don Callahan. And so, Don, let's go ahead and kick this thing off, man, with the top five Mac Brown players. This is something that we have been holding in the back pockets for a while now. Just uh, through the various podcasts, we weren't able to get to it, but we are finally going to get around to it. As a roadmap for everyone listening in, and I'm sure what most people are very excited to hear Don's thoughts, especially on, we will be talking about the Elite Junior Day coming up this Saturday when the Carolina basketball team takes on the Duke Blue Devils. And I mean, in the past, sometimes you could put the Elite moniker on it, but this one coming up, who? When I say elite, I mean elite. So everyone, be prepared. Listen for that one coming up shortly. But Don, let's go ahead, man. The top five Mac Brown players. Who did we hear from on the listener submission side? Before I get to that, I want to just announce the the next top five that we have, and hopefully we'll actually be able to run that in uh, in a week's time or so. Because this one was like two and a half weeks, which meant that we have, I think, seven submissions, which is the, the most that we've had in a very long time. But our next top five, and we did this last year for those who listened last year, is we want you to rank the, the home games, and there's six of them, one through five, according to the best recruiting home dates. And we'll let you define what it is to be a, a good recruiting um, home game. It could be the competition. It could be the time of year. It could be whatever it may be. And make sure that you submit it to to us either on the message board. Uh, my message board name is Don Callahan. John, uh, what's John? What's yours on the message board? Just John Siegley. If anyone looks under the the podcast threads on the Tar Pit Premium, uh, that's my username right there. So just click on that. You can send me a PM. And then uh, Buck, do you mind people bugging you as well if they want to send in their submissions? Sure. And everybody knows my handle is Buck Sanders. Uh, so if you want to inbox me on those, or if you want, tweet them out. My uh, Twitter handle, I was an early adopter of Twitter, so my I have the coveted at Buck, capital B, Sanders, capital S, on Twitter. And my hey. Twitter handle is at Don Callahan. I was not one of the first people to get Twitter, so I have at Don Callahan IC because I'm representing Inside Carolina. There you go. And mine is at J.D. Siegley. So, Don, go ahead, though, and let's give us the names of the listener submissions. And let's go ahead and roll through them as we usually do. All right. So we have Evan in Florida, his top five in um, order for uh, number one first. Jeff Saturday, 
Greg Ellis, Simmons, Bly, and Natron Means. And then we have Deldrick from, um, I can't remember where he's from. Oh, Nightdale. That's right, Nightdale. His top five were in order. Number one, Dre Bly, Greg Ellis, Leon Johnson, Natron Means, and Vonnie Holiday. And we have Dale from Waxhall, his top five, number one. Marcus Jones, number two, Greg Ellis, Dre, uh, Dre Bly, Brian Simmons, and Leon Johnson. Then we have Cal, Cal in North Carolina, Leon Johnson, Dre Bly, Greg Ellis, Brian Simmons, and Marcus Jones. And we, this might be our actually our furthest submission if the location is actually correct. Darth from San Diego. Ryan Sims, Brian Spoon, Nod Na Brown, Algie Crumpler, Jeff Saturday. I think he actually one, two, three, four, five. Yep. And he had a couple more, Ecubon and um Mays. Then we have Paul, North Carolina, Dre Bly, Natron Means, Greg Ellis, Brian Simmons, and Leon Johnson. And last but certainly not least, because he is our most consistent uh, contributor. I think he's contributed to every single top five we've ever had is John in Charleston, South Carolina. His are Dre Bly, Marcus Jones, Greg Ellis, Brian Simmons, and Leon Johnson. So who's going to go first with us? I'll go ahead and start it off as the guy that has probably seen the fewest amount of footage from the Mac Brown days. Uh, you know, Buck, I re- realized hearing the, the the list there, the thought came to me, we really should have had our buddy Brian Chacos on. You know, he, he was right there in person. He could have told us how these guys were on and off the field. Uh, you know, if we do a top five of Choo Choo Justice, do you think we can get Chacos back on to, to talk about how he was back in the day? Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick up for my boy, Brian. Uh, he's not quite the age you want to depict him at there, John. <laughs> and uh, I had lunch with him today, so I, I'm not going to speak ill of Mr. Chaco's today. He's my boo. Ah, okay. He must have given you some of that uh, special Chaco's inside info, huh? Well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'll go ahead, though, and like I said, I, I will kick off the top five list. And my number five guy was a gentleman by the name of Marcus Jones, who was a defensive lineman for the Tar Heels. And according to what I looked up on him, he set the career sack record, which was subsequently broken by another guy who's going to be on my top five list. But uh, from Marcus Jones, just reading over his accomplishments, it uh, seems like he was just a really big nasty there for Mac Brown along the, the defensive line, which kind of just fits in with everything that I've heard about Mac and those defenses that they were just hard nosed. They were guys that you did not want to run into late at night at a lonely alley. So he was my number five. And, you know, I had guys like Natron Means and Algie Crumpler were my two that were honorable mention. Uh, they just barely missed the cut on my list. But Marcus Jones, number five. Do you guys have, have him anywhere on y'all's list? I had him as my number three. Um, and just to kind of give, I guess, a disclaimer for for uh, me, um, while I'm not as uh, young as John, I didn't move to North Carolina until 1999. So that misses the cut for the Mac Brown era. So a lot of these guys, for me, um, I, I focus a lot more on NFL because I was able to obviously see those guys or or – I did see those guys in the NFL. So uh, for me, Marcus Jones was uh, number three, 
um, as John mentioned, All-American, played seven years in the NFL, first-round draft pick. And also interestingly to me is uh, he actually, after his football career was over, uh, he participated in uh, the MMA and has a, a career record of four and two, which was um, I just think is a really interesting tidbit. What about you, Buck? Where uh, Did you have him on your list? You know, he's a good selection, but I, I picked another DL and just going through it in my head, I tried to pick people from different positions, but certainly an excellent choice, I think. Uh, you know, but saw him play. He was a big recruit uh, for Mac Brown early on, uh, relatively early on. So, uh, yeah, he's Marcus Jones, an excellent player, enjoyed watching him play, but didn't make my top five. All right. So Our, I guess I'll go with my number five then. Yep. Let's hear it. All right, so while John had him as an honorable mention, I went with Natron Means again, mostly because I actually remember watching him play in the NFL, played eight seasons, uh, made the Pro Bowl in 1994. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've met him a few times. Um, he's a uh, college coach now, uh, but uh, remember as a big back, um, fun to watch. So he's my, he's my number four. And he, I'm sorry, he's my number five. Anybody else? Uh, Buck, did you have him on your list? Yeah, he's on my list, but he's higher than number five. So hmm. See, yeah, he's, I, he is he is on my list, though. Where do you have him at? I have him actually uh, number three. Um, and I'll tell you my reasoning behind that. Um, back when Natron was playing, and he came to UNC after they had gone two and 20 is when he was recruited to play at North Carolina, I think out of Concord High School, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Central Cabarrus. Uh, Central Cabarrus is, yeah. is in Concord. Yeah. It is. It is in Concord, yep. And, uh, you know, he was a big North Carolina recruit. Don, you would have really enjoyed covering him back in the day um, because uh, he had a nickname in high school. They call, He had a lot of nicknames, but uh, in high school they called him Nitro means um, – Chris Bourbon called him uh, Natron Refried Means, and then later <laughs> on, Natron Means Business. Uh, but uh, he, he, one of the things about Natron, not only did he come to North Carolina after they had gone two and twenty, the other thing about him that that's uh, interesting is the years that he played. For the most part, North Carolina had zero passing attack. Um, you know, there were there were some years there where North Carolina quarterbacks, when Means played, didn't cross a thousand yards passing. I mean, he was almost literally the entire offense. He had to carry the whole offense on his back. So um, that's why I had him a little bit higher up than uh, than fifth. Um, and, and I think he a lot of these guys that I picked, I think. I picked in a lot of cases because they had an early impact on uh, Mac Brown's tenure at UNC, and he's one of them. Yeah, see, I almost feel like I did Natrone a little bit of a disservice by leaving him off of my five after hearing you guys talk about him. I think with me, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Buck, was he ever selected as an All-American player? Because that's kind of what I based my top five off of is uh, their All-American status. I'm, I'm assuming he did make All-ACC. Do you recall off, off, off the top of your head, though, what other accolades he may have earned? Yeah, actually, um, 
I don't know. I, I don't actually uh, know about his all ACC honors. I was just really more focused on him on the impact that he had uh, at UNC. He only played three years and um, he had over 3000 yards of rushing and he was a pretty good receiver out of the backfield as well. Um, and I think he was just super important to Mac Brown getting some traction, um, you know, at North Carolina. That's why I have Leon Johnson actually had, if you, if you want to point to someone who had a better career as a running back, Leon Johnson would probably be the guy simply because, uh, Johnson was such a good receiver out of the backfield. He was just so good uh, catching the ball. And and later on in the pros, that was he sort of filled the niche of that third down back that could catch the ball out of the backfield. So, but in terms of importance to UNC and Mac Brown, I I, w- I had him third on my list. All right. Well, who was in your number five spot then, Buck? Well, you know somebody actually the one of our guys that checked in um had this guy number one and i can kind of see why um and that's jeff saturday well for one thing he's one of those guys that wasn't heavily recruited everybody thought he was too short to play he's only about six two to play offensive line um you know he came to north carolina out of atlanta uh someplace called shamrock high school ever heard of that don it's in decatur georgia I, um, I have not. I have not heard yeah. of Shamrock High School, uh, no. Uh, Georgia passed on him. Tennessee passed on him. You know, there's just a lot about him to like. He was a two-time um, All-AC center. And not only that, another feather in his cap was um, being an academic All-ACC all selection. He He wasn't an early contributor to... Uh, Mac Brown, he graduated in 97, actually. So he left UNC at the same time as, as Mac, but his pro career is certainly a big feather in his cap. Uh, I think he's sixth, uh, all time on the number of pro bowls, a UNC player has made. He, uh, obviously had a big impact. He was head of the players association. I think there, Don for a long time. And uh, just a guy who is a grinder, somebody that you know worked hard his whole life. Uh, and since I was trying to pay some uh, homage to the big uglies, I thought Jeff Saturday, and one thing that probably neither one of you are th- that aware of, offensive linemen were not um, something that Mac Brown was able to hang his hat on. Um, more, much more so defensive lineman. So Saturday kind of stands out as a guy that really excelled as an offensive lineman. And uh, for that reason, I picked him number five. So I think it's interesting that my number five guy was Don's number three. Don's number five was Buck's number three. And Buck, your number five is my number three because that's where I had Jeff Saturday on my list. And is for the same reasons that that you said, Uh, you know, Jeff's professional career is simply outstanding. I I was looking over his accolades in college, like you mentioned, all uh, academic, all ACC, first team, all ACC selection. 
And I just have a soft spot in my heart for Jeff Saturday because he really was that undersized guy who just won every single award that you could possibly receive at his position in the NFL. Great guy. He was my number three. Don, did you have just Jeff Saturday on your top five? Yeah, even though um, everything I said about my reasonings, I and he, I think if I were to do my my ranking again, he would be in there somewhere. But he was not. I, I guess he was someone who I just didn't, um, for whatever reason, just didn't think about. Just kind of slipped my mind. And I mean, he's the epitome of a guy who had an unbelievable NFL career. Um, just ask uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, since we're back at the top of the rotation, so to say, I will go ahead and give my number four. And my number four was a name I heard a lot on our listeners' submissions, and that was Brian Simmons, linebacker, who just had a huge career at Carolina as a senior in 97, recognized as a consensus first-team All-American. I believe he might have – I know he was a starter for at least three years He might have been all four based upon, I was trying to actually look that up, but it sounds as if he was just a huge force there in the linebacking core, a great NFL career as well, 10 seasons there. So again, you're sticking with a common theme here, defense, Mac Brown, they go hand in hand. Did uh, Buck, did you have Brian Simmons on your list? I'm assuming you did, but uh, where did you have him if, if you did in fact include him? Well, you know what happens when we assume things, don't we, John? I actually, I actually, I actually, you know, strongly consider Brian actually, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, as you mentioned, his accolades are, you know, um, you know, outstanding, um, uh, consensus All-American at one point, uh, just a terrific football player. Uh, I liked him a lot, but there were some other guys that I wanted to include on my list including one that not any of our seven submissions uh, guys uh, included in their list, but I'm going to include him at the four position. If you want me to segue into that, or are we going to Don on his fourth one? Well, my fourth one is Brian Simmons. So I probably should just jump in before you jump in. (laughs) So so we close the door on Brian Simmons. I mean, same thing that, that John mentioned, you know, he was a first round pick playing the NFL for 10 years, uh, was an all American. Um, I mean, John summed it up pretty nicely. So now I'll hand it off back to Buck. Hold on. Let me jump in here. Don, have we ever done a top five where you and I did not at least have one shared common number? Uh, there might've been one. I just can't think of one off the top of my head. So it is kind of interesting, especially with something like this where it's very, very random, um, cause everyone had different criteria. So, um, so yeah. Uh, all right, Buck, who is your number four, man? Okay. Um, my guy at number four is Bracey Walker. And, uh, the reason that I, um, included Bracey Walker in my top five, uh, was, was not for his, uh, you know, accolades, uh, so much, uh, although he was a first team all American uh, at, at North Carolina, his senior year, he's a guy from Pine Forest high school, which Don really knows something about, um, in Fayetteville. So, um, you know, another North Carolina guy and like, uh, Natron means 
you know, came to North Carolina after those uh, two and 10 seasons that Mac started out with at UNC. But, uh, you know, at UNC, North Carolina, sort of under Mac, their calling card was defense, much more so than offense throughout really his tenure. And, and Bracey Walker was sort of the prototype of player that, that Mac was after, and he would point to him. I remember on many occasions, um, he would talk about Bracey Walker and, and talk about, um, he encouraged other players on defense, be like Bracey, be like Bracey. And, and so he, he was a very important, um, player for North Carolina. He was also pulled out of the, uh, tidewater region in Virginia. He came out of, uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, which I think we could call that the tidewater. Could we not Don? Um, yeah, so, I, I definitely consider that tidewater area for sure. Yeah. So that, you know, the, here's, here's a guy they pulled out of the tidewater region, which became important to Mac Brown during his, uh, years there. And just watching Bracey play, I guess that's where, um, I may have a little bit of a advantage here is that, uh, you know, I actually got to see him play and was in the stands when he played. And when he hit somebody, you could hear it, you know, in the cheap seats. So uh, that's why I included Bracey. He also went on to have a very long pro career. Um, he, he played, uh, he was drafted in 94 by the Chiefs. And, and played, was made a roster all the way to 2005, the Detroit Lions. So, uh, you know, a very talented player, uh, an All-American at UNC. And, uh, oh, he was born in Portsmouth. He actually graduated from Pine Forest. My bad. So, anyway, nicks that part. But, um, you know, I, I just liked Bracey Walker a lot. He was one of the guys that going to the stadium, you just wanted to see what he was going to do that day. So that that's, that's where I have him, where I have him. All right, guys, let's go ahead and roll through our number three picks pretty quick. Since all of us have already said something about him. Mine was Jeff Saturday. Don, who was, was yours again at number Mine three, was Marcus Jones. And then buck was your three Natron means if I recall. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, We've already hit them pretty well, so let's go ahead and jump to our number two guys. And, um, you know, the number two and number one spot was where I actually had the biggest debate, but I ended up going with Dre Bly at number two. Um, Dre had an incredible career at Carolina, an incredible professional career. I mean, what more can you really say about the guy? He received All-American honors as a freshman, one of only five players in NCAA history to actually achieve that status. And uh, let me know if y'all recognize, you know, some other of these names, Tony Dorsett, Herschel Walker, Marshall Falk, and then Jorn Merton. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty good company, I would say. So Dre Bly, my number two current coach at at UNC, killing it on the recruiting trail. And yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, I could sing his praises for the next 15 minutes, but I'll go ahead and leave it at that. Don, what about? Or actually, guys, what are your thoughts on Dre Bly at number two? I had him. Well, I had him my number one. Yeah, uh, uh, I was on the same page with Don, and I think uh, I can guess. Uh, I I think I can guess who your number two is. You probably uh, you might be able to. John. Oh, John. Okay. Oh, who, you mean who my number one is? Yes. Uh, does it rhyme with Breg Bellis? 
Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. I actually had uh, a couple of years ago, he did a, uh, he's in the movie business now. He did a movie, uh, you know, the, the famous Friday Night Lights movie um, about that Texas in high school that, that mm -hmm. faced a team that was in Houston, that was, you know, all everything. Ellis did a movie about the Houston team. Um, it was more or less a, a documentary more than. Um, was it a 30 yeah. for 30? No, it, it was in the movie theaters. I, I saw it uh, here in the Triangle. And uh, he was there for the uh, um, Triangle premiere, so to speak. And uh, I had the opportunity to talk to him there. And, uh, but his career at UNC, you know, I'll say a little bit about it, but, uh, he was the first sophomore to be named all ACC, um, since 85 at the time. And then, uh, he was a consensus first team, all American finalist, for Lombardi award, um, was an all AC selection three years straight. Um, just a monster went on to have a great, uh, pro career as well. Um, so, uh, made the pro bowl in, in 2007. So he was, uh, number two on my list. Uh, and I'm guessing number one, or actually John's already said, or Don has at least. So you had Greg Ellis as your number two as well. Yeah. Don? My, yeah. Greg Ellis is our number two and Dre Bly was my number one. So, um, I don't know if I need to go much more into, into detail than what already has been on either one of those guys. I mean, uh, you guys kind of said it said it all as far as what uh, why they were on that list. I mean, they just had unbelievable careers and uh, both in college and, and in pro. And then, um, and then obviously, you know, Dre is is still impacting North Carolina to this day as as a coach. I think with me, what ended up breaking kind of the the deadlock between Dre and Greg Ellis was I, I saw that you know, Greg Ellis was actually nominated for the Lombardi Award which is you know the best college football player regardless of, of position. And I don't quite think Dre Bly was ever nominated for that. If he was, I could not find it. But you know that just spoke to me about how dominant Greg was on the, those Mac Brown defenses. And so that's why I put him as number one. But, I mean, you're really splitting hairs and talking about two of the all-time great players that Carolina has ever had between those two guys. Um, you know, I think that that's a, a big reason, and I'd like, like to get y'all's thoughts on this, but everyone listening in heard the names of these blue chip guys who were successful in Chapel Hill and they went on to have successful pro careers. And I mean, there were a dozen other names that I feel you can make a case deserve to be in the top five, just going through myself doing the research. I think that that is a huge reason why everyone is so excited about Mac Brown 2.0 and the fact that he's recruiting very heavily to get those defensive studs back in Chapel Hill. Don, do you think that that is playing into the fact that Mac just has had that level of success? And you know, do you think that, that the fans are right to be looking forward to saying, Hey, maybe he can do it again. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily going to just be defense. It might end up being, cause you know, you have a really good defensive coordinator in Jay Bateman, but I, I think really his Mac's focus is he's going to be a CEO type and let his um, assistant coaches and coordinators make those decisions as far as the emphasis and the players and all that. But um, 
as far as a big picture, I mean, he wants to focus in state and wants to keep the, the, the top players in state, in state. Um, and it just so happens that there's a lot of really good defensive players in state for this class. Um, and then, and also North Carolina needs some defensive playmakers. So it all kind of works out. You know, Buck, let me get your thoughts on, on this fact is, you know, the, the name, so Greg Ellis born in North Carolina, Dre Bly from Virginia, Jeff Saturday from Georgia, then Brian Simmons, North Carolina, my guy, Marcus Jones, North Carolina, Natrone Means, Concord, North Carolina, Algie Crumpler, who a couple people had on their top five, Wilmington, North Carolina. Just how big of a deal do you think it is, Buck, that Matt can just point to those guys and then go to those highly ranked defensive in-state guys now that Don just mentioned? And Matt can go up to them and say, look, I've taken the cream of the crop from North Carolina. This is what I've done for them in the past. Do you think that that can still resonate with recruits today? I think there's something to that, John, but at the same time, I think recruits these days, and Don can attest to this, are um, much more sophisticated uh, these days than there were even when Don started covering uh, UNC football recruiting for us. Uh, There's more information available to them. I think they are much more savvy in terms of getting more information. I do think that is still a thing that a lot of players want to play within easy driving distance uh, from where they played high school football. And I think that um, Mac is going to turn some heads of some recruits, uh, big-time players in North Carolina, uh, as with that as part of his sales pitch. But I don't think that's going to be all of his sales pitch by any means. And, uh, you know, some of it is going to appeal to some people. Some of it is not. Uh, was what the, the You did an interview, Don, with uh, the defensive tackle or the offensive guard that said that, uh, yeah, that, that part of the sales pitch, the guy from North Carolina, he said that part of the sales pitch didn't really make that much of a difference to me. Um, in one of your articles, you know who I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, Mitchell Mays. We ran that earlier in the week. Um, yeah, um, I was interested to, to kind of find out just how does that, when the coaches are pitching that, um, does that even matter? And it seemed not to really matter to him too much, but he did kind of mention the importance of establishing relationships and, and where he has relationships at and that he has three very strong relationships at, at North Carolina, which um, you will – obviously help North Carolina's chances with that. Cause I, I, there are a lot of recruits who do want to play close to home, um, but close to home might not necessarily be in state. If you live in Charlotte, Clemson is, is not that far away. Um, and uh, I'd have to map quest it out, but um, I think it's probably um, similar distance from um, Chapel Hill. If you live in Charlotte. So um, Blacksburg but, it, may actually be closer had it not i think it's it's right now yeah ballpark. i mean and it, and it all depends on where you're located at you know and the same thing actually on the reverse you know for virginia beach it's actually easier to get to chapel hill than it is to get to um uva or virginia tech so but my, my whole point of that is yeah uh, location does factor in but you have to build and this is what i think it's going to take a little bit of time it's not going to be fixed in just a few months but you have to build just that um allegiance to your home state's flagship school, 
which is what schools like Georgia has done in Georgia and um, Alabama for the most part has done in Alabama and LSU has done in Louisiana. And that's what um, Mac is trying to do. And that's just not going to happen in just, you know, six months. It's going to take a couple of years. and It's going to take, you know, a couple of years of, of, of recruits seeing, the top players in North Carolina go there. So you, you're going to have to try everything imaginable to get those guys in Chapel Hill. All right. That's actually a pretty good segue then into the list of elite recruits that are going to be on campus this weekend for the UNC versus Duke basketball game. So guys, let's take a quick commercial break to talk about our friends over at Johnny T-shirt. They are one of the absolute icons there on Franklin street, a Tar Heel run, organization through and through they are the place to go and get your carolina gear on game days during the week on a random day in the summer if anyone's looking for gifts you know that is where you need to go to you know i mean i can't speak well enough about giant t-shirt i loved going in there when i was a student i love going in there now and uh, it's always fun to see what they have new i think they've actually got some shirts out i think i saw them put on social media about Mac is back or something about the spring game. Uh, you know, Buck, Don, what do you guys have to say about the giant t-shirt? I mean, I'm, I can only guess, and I know what Buck said about assumptions earlier, but I think I'm pretty confident in saying here that uh, you guys both are very, very fond of the giant t-shirt guys. Yep. They're, they're great people uh, and they support this podcast. So there's a big reason for uh, giving them your patronage. Um, they, they've been a great friend to IC for many years. Uh, we think the world of them. So, uh, you, you can go by there and, uh, land a 10% discount. If you're a inside Carolina subscriber and why wouldn't you be? So, you know, that's, it's a great relationship. We love them to death and, uh, you won't find better merchandise anywhere. If you're a UNC Tar Heel fan. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, uh, I guess talked last week when we were talking about giant t-shirt, just, um, whenever my kids need a new shirt, um, that's, that's the place we go when we're down on, in Chapel Hill and walking Franklin street. That's for sure. The, the stop that we make and go in there. My kids love going in there, looking at all the different things, all the different, uh, UNC things. Um, and, um, uh, like I said, I mean, it's, uh, we, we go in there a lot. And their customer service is also top-notch, which is a huge reason why everyone keeps on going back there year after year, week after week. It's a family tradition for many. As Buck said, if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you do have the promotion code for that 10% off, so make sure that you use that. Giant T-shirt, they are your place for Tar Heel memorabilia, clothing, and everything else that you could possibly want related to the Tar Heels. All right, guys, so... The the Elite Junior Day, uh, you have the entire list posted on the Tarpit Premium Message Board, Don. I don't want to go through it name by name here for everyone listening in. You can view it there. But needless to say, uh, this is just an impressive list. And let's go ahead and put the caveat out there that you know, this is not a guaranteed list. This is just, I believe, Don, the, the, the list of names on there is who you have heard is expected to be on campus, right? Yeah, those are names that um, through various sources, it could be the recruit himself. In a lot of cases, that's what I try to do. It could be the high school coach, it could be the parent, or it could be um, a source um, somewhere else, that, uh, that a very reliable source somewhere else that uh, can give me that information. 
Um, and it's something that, you know, we've been compiling for, um, you know, God, for this, for this event, since it's such a huge event, I probably started the list um, a, a month or so ago. Uh, and then obviously once it gets closer, kind of finalizing things out. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best list you're going to find online. You're also going to find it much sooner than anyone else, much, much, much sooner. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be the most, most um, I guess, accurate list that you're going to find because we put a lot of um, work in, and double check a lot of these things also. All right. Well, let me just start with a name, Don, that stuck out to me that I was honestly a little bit surprised to see listed on here is Jacoby. Co- uh, is it Cowan or Cohen out of Cohen. Charlotte? Jacoby Cohen. Yeah, he's a, a defense lineman who I think eventually will you know, move uh, inside to uh, defensive tackle, although he plays end right now in high school. But yeah, no, I, I get why um, it's a surprising name because he's actually, if you were to list out all of the top targets in state he's the only one who has yet to visit north carolina since mac brown was hired so uh he's visited a couple of times under the larry fedora regime so it's huge to get him on campus you know he's um uh right now in the in the process of kind of narrowing things down i guess it was about a month ago he named his uh his top 11 and uh yeah, this is gonna be a big big um step in in north carolina making his list when he narrows it down even even further. Was there um, any names that popped out to you, Buck, when you got a chance to look at the list? Well, of course, you know, everybody is thrilled to see uh, Desmond Evans uh, making a visit. And I actually have some, some insight there that I can share. Uh, I was there on um, opening day of football practice. And... Desmond Evans was there uh, with his coach. It didn't have his family with him. I think it's just his coach came up with him. And, you know, he's the um, highest-ranked player in North Carolina, according to 24-7, and he'll certainly be in demand, you know, nationwide. People will be trying to uh, secure his services. Um, he's uh, really, really tall. For a defensive lineman, he's six six. Uh, I can see people doing a lot of interesting things with him on the defensive line. But the insight that I wanted to share is that while I was there, um, he spent a good bit of time talking to Kenny Browning, who people will remember as uh, a former staff member at UNC and the coach of some really good players like Greg Ellis and. and Marcus Jones. Uh, so uh, he probably can put a bug or two in uh, Desmond's ear, but also really interesting. Jay Bateman spent a good bit of time with him also probably telling him what he can do in North Carolina's defense. And finally, I, I'm not even sure if I should share this cause um, it's a little bit, I've never seen it before uh, at any practice. Why and recruits are around all the time at every football practice. But he was Desmond was standing next to uh, Tim Brewster, and they're having a conversation, kind of on a little break um, in the action. And Desmond, wait for it, puts his arm around Tim Brewster. You know, Brewster's a little shorter than Ez, than Evans, and Evans just reaches around and props his shoulder up on him, like props his arm up on uh, Brewster's shoulder, like he's. He's his favorite uncle or something. Um, 
so make of that what you will. Uh, certainly, uh, North Carolina is not going to be his only choice as he makes his decision. But he appears to have really good relationship with the UNC football coaching staff. So take that for what it's worth. Just to kind of throw it out there, uh, we'll have um, a full update. We didn't. We I we spoke very briefly with uh, Desmond following the visit this past weekend, but I didn't want to bombard him too much um, because I'm sure he's getting bombarded a lot with, uh, you know, as, as are most five stars or all five stars, really. So I did speak to him very briefly after this past weekend. He said all the things you expect. The visit went great. Can't wait to get back there this coming weekend. But we'll have a full uh, update with him next weekend, next week, which would obviously be following this visit and kind of see where things are. Uh, but I think with him, um, the more you can get him on campus, the better. I think that his his recruitment can go in a lot of different directions. The, I guess right now, a lot of people feel like it's either going to be North Carolina or NC state um, just because of um, he, he seems to, most of his visits seem to be nearby schools. Doesn't take a whole lot of visits elsewhere. Um, and he's definitely really kind of going with the flow with the whole recruiting process and, and changing, he's changing things up a little bit from the past couple of months. His coach is a lot more involved just because things were getting a little, out of control, which, you know, when you have as many offers as, as he had. Um, so, but it should be really interesting to see how this rolls with him. And I think that UNC definitely has a shot because of the relationships he's already built with uh, the coaches at, at North Carolina. And landing a five-star guy would, you know, be something that would send Carolina fans absolutely over the moon. I think, Don, the last five-star was Marvin Austin, correct, that Carolina landed? Oh man, um, really kind of put me in the spot. I'd have to look that I'm up. I'm going to say Dante Moss. Uh, oh, Dante Page Moss. He was and a five star, and he came in later than Austin. Yeah, I think but, you're right, Buck. I think he was on, rated I, a five star on one of them. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So I have it. According to 24/7 Sports, the last five star that North Carolina has signed is Buck is right. Dante Page Moss. Okay. And, and what year was that? That was in 2009, which was uh, Butch Davis's uh, best class. Okay. So we're talking about 10 years. And we, we should also uh, pose the, the over-under that we talked about last week to Buck. The, if we were to give – Buck, if we were to give you .5 for five stars signed, which uh, would you go over-under on that? What are the odds again now, Don? Repeat that. .5. For the over/under on five stars signed by by uh, Mac Brown for this class, um, I'm going over. I think he'll get at least one. That's mm. that's my guess. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. Well, uh, so we've touched on on Desmond Evans, the five star. Talked about Cohen, the high four star. Uh, let me throw out, out this name to you uh, guys, and it's someone that has really shot up the recruiting rankings lately, and that is Trenton Simpson. I think, Don, wasn't he originally a running back in the database, but now he's listed at linebacker, where, which is where he's actually being recruited at by Carolina? Yeah, so he has predominantly played running back in high school, including his sophomore season that was the only position he played this past season 
They really started to get him involved a lot more on defense. He played for most teams. He would have started both ways, but for Mallow Creek, even if you're like a star, you get a lot of um, you get a lot of uh, snaps off on defense. I mean, because they, they, they rotate guys like crazy because they have so many good players. But um, technically, a lot of schools are telling him they're recruiting him as an athlete. But they're, they're recruiting him as an athlete, and then he spends the entire visit with the linebackers coach. I think he's for sure 100% going to be an outside linebacker in college, and I think that. Uh, He'll fit perfectly in Jay, B- Jay Bateman's uh, defense. He's long, athletic. He's explosive. He's a smart kid. He's coming from a very good program um, in, in Mallow Creek where he's getting coached really, really well. Um, they're playing some of the best talent uh, against some of the best talent in the um, in the region, and not only on Friday nights but also in practice because of the, just the, uh, the amount of talent that's always on Mallow Creek's roster. Um, and, and he's a guy that, um, you know, North Carolina is looking really good for. I mean, he has made a ton of visits. And we talked about this before. A lot of fans think, they, you know, if, if a kid visits one weekend and then there's a junior day the following weekend, they're like, why didn't he visit? Is something wrong? And in reality, most recruits, most recruits, they're only going to visit a school once or twice during this, this off-season spring period. Um, Trenton, though, is kind of in the minority where he has made, I think it's, I think it's going to end up being four or five visits when he returns to North Carolina this weekend, which is a lot. And I think it speaks volumes for his thought process and where North Carolina ranks at in his mind. He's another one that we're definitely going to be getting up with uh, following, um, following his, his visit this weekend, just to kind of see where he is. We didn't catch up with him after his phone was broken. So uh, we weren't able to catch up with him. Um, after this past weekend, but uh, we will definitely catch up with them following next week, uh, next week following the, this upcoming visit. All right, Buck, were there any other names that you wanted to talk about with Don, since we have the expert available with us t- today? Actually, I had another question for Don. I noticed that, uh, and this is not uncommon at all. Uh, several committed UNC players are going to be around this weekend for the elite junior day, how much difference does that make that they already have several four-star players that are going to be in attendance when these other top targets uncommitted targets uh, show up for junior day? Uh, it's, it's huge because while the coaches are around a lot and especially for the top, top targets, you know, the, the coaches are going to be, shadowing them the entire time there is some time where the coaches let the recruits kind of just hang out and and mingle and you essentially have obviously you have a few guys who are committed to north carolina within that group kind of infiltrating it and um speaking highly of of north carolina um and, and a lot of these guys it's not just this weekend although it's huge to have these guys this weekend but you know we we're in the middle of of camp season right now. Our camp season has just basically kind of started. It hasn't really hit um, North Carolina's areas too much. It's, it's mostly been like California, Texas, and and Florida, the warmer um, states. But um, you know the 707s are going on. So a lot of these guys are bumping into each other at all these different events. And when you have commits, four star commits that are bumping into these guys at a 707, and during you know a down period, they're talking. It, it just it really helps North Carolina. So it is important. Well, it's not the end of the world if you don't get a, a strong start to a recruiting class. 
it really does help things out when you do get a strong start like Mac Brown has with, with this class. And you have these guys constantly talking to these other recruits and helping North Carolina um, recruit. And yes, as, as Buck was alluded to, uh, to have so many of them be four-star guys, all these kids, they, they, they know where guys are ranked. They pay attention to 24-7 sports, even though they say they don't, uh, because I tell you, when, once the rankings drop, we hear about it immediately. Um, and so they know, okay, this guy's a four-star, this guy's a three-star, and so on and so forth. And, and that makes a huge difference. And it kind of, it just uh, adds a special feeling to whatever school that may be. And in, in the case that we're talking about North Carolina, when you have so many four-stars uh, committed. All right, guys, I have a two-part question for you both. Uh, part one's for you, Buck. Part two is for you, Don. The brand-new indoor practice facility. Buck, you, you'd mentioned it during your write-up from watching practice earlier this week. But talk to us about just how impressive it was in your own words, how you think it could be used in recruiting. And then, Don, to after Buck is done, do you anticipate that the coaching staff is going to try to get the recruits in for the Elite Junior Day over to that facility and do a tour? Uh, guys, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I, I think it'll be huge. It's a very impressive facility. Uh, they're still doing some work on the outside of it, uh, you know, with the field, uh, the extra field there. They have one side field down that's sodded. It's not marked yet. Really the only finished or, or almost completely finished, I'd say, uh, part of it is the indoor facility. And it, it is just super nice. And the fact that it's brand spanking new uh, also is going to be impressive. So, you know, they can look at it and say, hey, this is going to, you know, uh, be around. And, and, and just for actually opening day, it was cool and uh, misty that day. Uh, when we went to opening day practice and I was really and truly thankful that we were indoors that day. And I, I can assume it's just a much more pleasant of environment. Uh, I suspect they're going to have uh, their camps there this summer, or at least part of the camp uh, will be entirely within that facility and the surrounding fields should be ready by then. Uh, so it's going to play dividends, I think, with this class in terms of them going over there and getting a tour. And probably, you know, as time goes on with the group coming in this summer uh, for camp, uh, they're also going to be super impressed. Uh, just a nice, very nice facility. Uh, everything's clean, shiny, brand new. So no doubt, I, I think it'll make an impression on the recruits, and they're definitely going to get a tour, in my opinion. All right, so I don't know how much I'm at liberty to talk about, but um, I guess I'll just say that the recruits definitely will get to see the um, indoor practice facility this weekend. And I, I think really any any recruit who visits, I think it goes without saying that that at some point during their stay, they're going to uh, receive a tour of the indoor practice facilities, unless they've already seen it. And it's a very, very quick uh, a tour and they have other things that they want to see. Um, but yes, it will be, it will definitely be a part of uh, this weekend's uh, festivities. And also I, I hope Buck is correct with the, uh, his thoughts on the camps, because I truly hope that the camps are indoors um, standing out in the sun for, 
five hours straight is no fun. And I would much rather be in some sort of a, a controlled climate building uh, without the sun beating down on me um, for sure. So I hope that they actually um, listen to what Buck's saying with that. And at the very least, if it's a, if it's a rain day, then they don't have to um, cancel anything. They can just go inside, which is, which is also a, a huge perk too. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up with this. We've been talking for going on almost an hour now. Uh, Don, after the big Elite Junior Day is over with, what type of coverage can the Inside Carolina subscribers be looking forward to in the days following the event? I mean, we're going to have we're going to have stories up on all the main targets. Um, as long as they're willing to talk, we're going to have stories on, on up with, for, with them. Um, I mentioned Des, Des Edmonds. I mentioned uh, Trent Simpson. I mean, all these guys, we're going to, we're going to definitely be tracking them all down. Um, if you want some sort of example, just go back a couple weeks ago, North Carolina had a junior day, not nearly as big as this elite junior day um, is going to be. Um, and every day that, that following week, we had a couple of updates from, the major visitors that were in Chapel Hill for that weekend. And we'll do the same thing for this one. Um, it's just with, with the amount of talent that's going to be in Chapel Hill, we're probably going to have uh, content for the next uh, couple of weeks uh, from, from that event. So definitely be, you know, viewing inside Carolina a few times a day for sure. Um, you know, because we're going to have updates. We also will have, um, we'll confirm the, the visitors uh, for the weekend. Also on Saturday, we always post it on, on the message board. So if you're someone who just kind of goes on Inside Carolina, just on the front page, definitely go on the message board to kind of view that to see who, who ends up showing up because there, there'll be some no shows and there'll be, there'll be, there could be some guys who um, will end up visiting who we don't have our, our list. And so to kind of get to find out who actually shows up, you got to be on Inside Carolina's message board on Saturday. You know, I'm surprised, John, we got through this whole podcast without mentioning the fact that these guys going to the Elite Junior Day are going to also be able to visit uh, or attend the Duke-UNC basketball game, uh, which uh, that's a perk that, that is not easy to come by for anybody. I think it just shows how big of, of a focus right now is on football, Buck. I mean... It's huge. And I mean, getting these guys in that environment is only going to be a positive. I mean, we've said it before. I'll say it again. Mac Brown is just doing a tremendous job getting these elite guys on campus, getting them speaking with the staff, talking to the current commits. It's a great time to be a Carolina fan. Recruiting is definitely the hot topic right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in most years, we probably would have led with that. But uh, for now, it is what it is, but uh, guys, I think that was all I had. Anything else from y'all, or are we going to go ahead and call this one to a wrap? Yeah, let's uh, wrap it up. Yep, yeah, we could wrap it now that I've talked with my first or second best friends in the world. <laughs> this has been a touching podcast for sure. Yeah, you, you can't see it, Buck, but I have a big smile on my face right now, so uh, I do appreciate it. All right. But uh, guys, thank you again for talking to me, for everyone listening in. Again, to get the full list on the elite recruits that will be in Chapel Hill on Saturday, check out the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. But we will talk with everyone again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com 
where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.